This episode of Software Engineering Daily is part of our on-site coverage of KubeCon 2023, which took place from November 6th through the 9th in Chicago. In today's interview, host Jordi Mon Company speaks with Darren Shepard, who is the Chief Architect and Co-Founder at Acorn Labs. This episode of Software Engineering Daily is hosted by Jordi Mon Companies. Check the show notes for more information on Jordi's work and where to find him. So Darren here is here as the chief architect of Acorn. So that title has a purpose, right? You are the architect for reasons, right? Yeah, yeah. For I mean, reasons. it's like it's like you know, some reason, like I'm allergic to the title of CTO because like I just fundamentally believe it's just more business oriented. It's like it is related. It's somewhere like you know, business touches technology, but it's fundamentally a business yeah. position. Like you're gonna be doing more like spreadsheets and powerpoints if you're a CTO. Do you think the same of CIOs, by the way, chief innovation officers? Oh. Do you know what they do? <laughs> oh man, that was like I probably think even less of it. No, a CIO is more of like they need to run the internal. In- inf- no, or is that the COO? I don't know. I don't even know what they do. But if you have innovation in your title, it's usually the yeah. worst. But I, I do like what I was saying before the architect in the chief yeah. architect title because it's true. I think that that person knows the breadth and depth of the code base, of the product, of the service, whatever this person or this company is building, and is in charge of, I think, the main characteristics of what software in a startup should conform the solution that a startup like Acorn is building. That is, well, resiliency, but mostly, I think, flexibility and anything that allows it to evolve into what product market fit or product niche it's actually trying to cover. Would you agree with that vision of an architect? Yeah, I mean, because like, I'll also say a lot of architects are just kind of BS or whatever, but it's like why I like the yeah. term or whatever the title is, it fits a little bit more what I like. I very much want to build the technology I enjoy. Like I see a bunch of technical issues. I want to fix them. So I very much like building the technology, kind of controlling, like, owning the whole solution end to end. But I do very much like kind of the business side of it too. It's like understanding like what's the business objective and then building the technical solution for it. So it's like, it's kind of the business side gives you the problem and then I can basically, you know, come up with a a solution. And I very much, I've spent my entire career in like kind of these orchestration systems and stuff. It's like, I fundamentally kind of like these big systems, you know, it's like multiple things talking to each other and stuff like that. And so it's like, building these larger things. I mean, I don't want to jump because I want to do something, talk about something before we jump into the core of this conversation. But I find it funny. I thought your background would be in development, the application development at the top layer of the tech stack. Because the framing, the positioning of Acorn is that Kubernetes is too complicated. And I thought, well, these guys must be all developers and quote unquote hate. They don't hate, but they are very critical of Kubernetes because they come from precisely the other world because Kubernetes is meant for infrastructure people. But you guys have grown professionally in the infrastructure space yourself. Yeah, and so like I sit in a very weird position where it's like I kind of fundamentally relate more with a developer, but I've always worked in infrastructure oh, and built okay. infrastructure systems. So it's like I got into Linux when I was young and I very much loved Linux. And then like I got to a point where in order for me to do more with Linux, I had to learn programming. And that's how I got into programming. And then like once I got into programming, then I got started doing that more as a career. And so I learned Java and I did Java development. So like I was a Java developer in a big financial company, but I have a background in Linux. Okay. And so then I started doing all this weird like automation of infrastructure and stuff because I was frustrated with the CI systems. 
like how slow they were and like well ci wasn't actually a thing back exactly then. yeah like this was like the birth of ci actually okay. like i don't know if you were like cruise control was one of the oh, systems yeah. that, like that was a big deal you yeah. know thought work like was it thought work like they were the ones who kind of coined a lot yeah they lot. had they had a system called i think confusingly enough go yes. like it, yeah. wasn't it i yeah, think it's it still something yeah yeah yeah, yeah. i think it might, or something yeah yeah it might have just been called go yeah and then like anthill and like you know so i worked with all those things and so it's like i've sat in this weird position where it's like i understand infrastructure but like i'm not a fundamentally an ops okay. infrastructure person okay and like i worked at a hosting company and i i learned that firsthand of like working with a bunch of infrastructure people of like trying to understand the difference of mindset because like i was building a cloud system like their cloud offering and so i was taking cloud stack taking that software and trying to turn it into a product and so i was working with the infrastructure team and so it's like, I understood like how Linux works, how the networking, the VLANs, the switches and programming, all this stuff. But like fundamentally, I'm a developer. And okay. so it's like, so I have that like kind of this weird persona. I was like, where it's like, I work in this realm and I understand it, but I also am not like, I don't fit in. You yeah. know, it's like, I, I don't like, and I think that's also like why you might see me like Twitter and, and whatnot is like complaining about Kubernetes. It's like, I understand, like, it's a beautiful system. I understand why it is and everything, but I'm coming at it from a user and more from yeah. a developer perspective because that's like just my personality and whatnot. That's yeah. kind of more the fence I sit on. Yeah. So, by the way, your career is similar to many other founders. When you were describing right now the different stages of your career, it did remind me of Adam Jacobs, the founder of Chef. Oh, yeah, he described yeah. it, I think, a while back, I mean, probably in many places, but in a podcast interview that I listened to a few months ago, and it's kind of similar. Have you ever, by the way, because before we would jump into Acorn, I wanted to embrace your online persona, the way you conduct yourself online. Have you ever had any controversies with Adam himself on oh, Twitter? So I go back and forth just more recently. So one of our employees at Rancher left and then went to his startup, okay. and I was good friends with him. And then Chef so, or something before? Uh, no, no, no. So the one he's doing now. Oh, uh, Systems like, Initiative. Yeah, yeah. So he's, he's doing that startup. And so because of that, I became more of aware of what he was in. So then I started interacting with him on Twitter, okay. and I very much enjoyed And I think we might disagree on quite a few things but I, I really enjoy the conversation back and forth with him I really enjoy him like, this is my point it was not only about praising you and the way you conduct yourself but the environment in which you are open to criticism about your own stuff about other stuff and how that has actually been a bit maybe not under threat that's probably to exaggerated to much of an overstatement but it has certainly not been praised enough right so we are here at KubeCon in which Many other values of open source have been put into practice and praised and supported, collaboration, inclusion, many other things. But I think that exchange of ideas, in, even from an antagonistic perspective, has not been, which is a fundamental tenet of collaboration, I would argue, and so forth. Has not. Been, and I really like that you go about with what it seems like a, a bit of a rogue facade, a bit of a trolley facade. But the fundamental underlying spirit and environment, which Adam also represents and many others, is there. And I really think that that exchange of ideas is really good for the open source ecosystem. So I, I'd like to praise you for that. Yeah. Oh, thanks. I mean, like what I do online and, and Twitter or whatever, it's just like I'm always coming to everything from a user perspective. It's like if I'm complaining about a piece of technology, it's because I'm trying to use it. Like usually I see some value in it. I want it to work and I can't get it to work and I'm frustrated and it's like, why is it so difficult? It shouldn't be this difficult. <laughs> and so it's like, so the things I complain about online is like, I think, you know, I'm definitely not correct most of the time. Like there's a lot of things I'll say that are probably like not right, but it's at least valid feedback in that, 
hey, users are frustrated. <laughs> you know, it's like there's something valid about like my frustration, even though like my conclusions could be wrong. Yeah. You know? Yeah, the motivation is absolutely valid and legitimate. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. But it's also like why like I'm at a startup or I've founded startups. It's like I just fundamentally get frustrated with things. And then I'm also very kind of like naive in thinking like, oh, there's a better way. There's got to be a better way. And I'm kind of stupid enough to try it. And, you know, a lot of times it doesn't work out and sometimes it does. I honestly think this is very common. I did an interview just a few hours ago with Santiago Torres Arias from the Purdue University. He's one of the co-creators and co-maintainers of several projects on the security side. So that would be in Toto, Tough, the update framework, and SixStore, Signature Storage, I think. And I find it fun because the motivations for those people to create those projects were not fundamentally selfish or trying to sort of like scratch their own itch or solve their own niche problem. But they were genuinely from the get-go a bit like broader and more for the greater good, right? Yeah. Which, by the way, doesn't make any difference because most of the projects in the CNCF, I think, originated from the motivations you just described, which is, I find this technology X, whatever it might be, Kubernetes, Prometheus, whatever, frustrating, and I want to do this thing this way. And then it turns out that if I open source it, it turns out that many other people had the same problem and they want to contribute and, and so forth. So I don't see any difference in the original motivations as long as we you know, collaborate and open yeah. it and, and release it to the open and to the community. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, and that's what like, I fundamentally love it. I mean, it's like my entire career and everything. I, I start off in open source. I built companies on open source. It's like I love open source and like I love trying to solve things and then just putting the information. Like the biggest thing to me about open source is people have all these different opinions on like what's the right way to run a community and stuff like that. And it's like, to me, all I really care about is that the ideas get out there. It's like you yeah. solve the problem, put it out there. Because like me also, I'm just frustrated when I see something that's proprietary where it's just like, I want to know how it was done. Yeah. And that drives me nuts. But like, I just love the sharing of ideas and stuff like that. And then how you build a community and stuff. And so I do like obviously more open source license that allow people to pick up your work and use it and stuff. But yeah, so like I think open source, it's fundamental to kind of everything that I do in Acorn too. Remember? Yeah, exactly. So Acorn took a lot of inspiration from Docker. We were talking about that when we realized that the microphone was off. Please describe what are the areas in which Acorn leverages a lot of the Docker spirit and user experience, developer experience, and then where it sets apart and is different. Yeah, I mean, so... When I look at things, because like one, I just love Docker. That's kind of like I got into creating Rancher that, you know, co-founding that company was, I really saw there was something in, in Docker or whatever. And so I have a lot of admiration for what they created. And they really created a, a beautiful user experience. Like whatever they were able to do, they were able to package up like the existing technologies of containers and stuff and put it in a way just, it's like kind of slightly tweak it or whatever and put it in a way that just really clicked with people. And it was clear, like when people saw Docker, it was like, oh, like some light bulb went off of like, I could use this to accomplish something. So I take a lot of inspiration from looking at their solutions of how they did things. And so like Docker and Docker Compose are still very successful for developers on the laptop and everything. And so what Acorn has done is basically taken a lot of inspiration of that, of like really Compose is like Compose is still a very successful system. And so basically we've modeled a lot of the user experience off of the way Compose works. But you think that Compose is limited in a way, right? Yeah, and it's like the fundamental thing of like, because it's a, we were talking about this before, about yeah. kind of like how the industry and everything is that like there's a big disconnect between... Yeah, we should maybe focus, before we jump into what sets Acorn apart from the inspiration it took from Docker Compose, 
let's focus again probably yeah. on another controversial topic, which is the, the positioning of Acorn, or at least the context that Acorn goes about setting, is that Kubernetes is freaking difficult. And that developers should literally not give a damn about it because it's too complicated. Well, it's not even that they shouldn't give a damn about it. It's that they don't. They, like, they, well, they okay, don't. Well, okay, so you're they, acknowledging a reality there. Yeah, like so, they, they don't necessarily want to either. You know, that's kind of like a reality at the moment. They don't necessarily want to touch it because it's not a system for them. What, what is it difficult about it in your own experience and potentially other areas that you've the feedback that you've collected from everyone that you personally don't perceive as difficult from Kubernetes, but the people report that is difficult from Kubernetes. So it's like, if you go back to kind of like, it's like where did Kubernetes come from and everything is like, if you look at the ecosystem of like when Docker came, it's like Docker appealed to the developers. It was wildly popular. It created this huge demand within companies of like, I want to put containers in production. So it's like, we needed a production solution. And that's where Kubernetes came along, which was like, okay, well, how do I run the containers in production? But the thing about Kubernetes was it was very oriented towards the enterprise IT. I should ask you, by the way, were Swarm and Mesos any simpler? Well, okay, so Swarm, so... But less enterprise grade? Yeah, so this is the thing is, is like, Mesos was just too complicated. It was too difficult for people to, because it was a beautiful, like, it was a very good scheduler. It did scheduling very well. The problem was it was very difficult to get workloads on it because it had this framework model that was just too difficult for people to leverage. You had to do all this coding to get it. So there's a couple of startups who tried to layer things on top, but like fundamentally they didn't, like the architecture and design just didn't really resonate. Swarm was on the side of like user experience. It made a lot of sense because it kind of like was much more towards like Docker Compose and everything. So it was a much better like user experience, but it kind of lacked the insight that Kubernetes had of like how to run a very good platform. So it's like, when you look at Kubernetes, it's like, it's based off of all of this experience of Google, of like Borg and all those things or whatever. And so it's like, people don't realize how insightful the design of Kubernetes is. Cause like I was saying like my background, I built orchestration systems. It was just like, I was trying to solve the little problem with my dev team. So I, I would build these dumb little orchestration systems. So I spent a lot of time building orchestration systems and it was like, I had no theory or like, I didn't know what the right ways to do it. I just wrote the code. And then slowly over time, I developed better patterns. And when I saw Kubernetes and I started digging into the code, it was like, oh my gosh, like this pattern that I was kind of developing, I could see that they had like the next evolution of that yeah. pattern. It was like, oh, that makes sense. They had clearly refined and understood the best way to do it. And they're like, because I already had figured out some crappy way to do it. So it's like, there's so much insight in Kubernetes yeah. that people take for granted. They just don't know. Cause like now we just have it and it just seems obvious, but like, so Swarm actually lacked that. And so that was like, oh, okay. so it was like Kubernetes was just fundamentally a better platform. And then when you took Google with all this insight on how to build a system and then you bring in Red Hat, like that was the perfect marriage is cause like Red Hat understood IT so well. Yeah. Like By IT, you mean enterprise requirements, yeah. right? Yeah, they understand enterprise. And so like they're able to basically just like take this, you know, I think I said is like, they basically created like enterprise catnip. It's like, it was so good for enterprise of like, it perfectly matched the IT model. So what happened in the industry was you had the demand of developers wanting containers and then all the focus shifted to enterprise to build clusters. And so they spent all this time building clusters, making sure we have policy and RBAC and security and all this stuff. We're focusing on IT, building this thing. 
And then you have to start bringing the applications on board. Yeah. And so like where we are now is most companies, like they've got like 20, 30% of their workloads on Kubernetes and they've put a lot of effort on getting their workloads into Kubernetes. And they've all figured out that developers want nothing to do with Kubernetes. Yeah. It's too difficult because they have to put a platform on top of it to get them on top. You know, so it's like Kubernetes is an amazing platform, but it was never built for humans. Okay. It was built to build a platform on top of it and so like that's what we've lacked from an industry is the platform on top that actually caters towards the end goal of I want to run an application or a specific use case, like whatever your use case is. You know, it just happens to be enterprise, you know, like a lot of their use cases can be pretty much very similar, like how you want to run applications. So that gap is what Acorn is trying to solve, right? In a way you just described from a developer perspective is the beginning, the first touch point, which is well, you didn't mention it, but the Acorn file, which emulates, mimics, takes a lot of inspiration from the Docker file, right? But then there's another component that is the, well, I mean, please, yeah, describe that and how it operates, interoperates with the Acorn runtime that is running in the cluster. Yeah, so like the basically, so it's like we're saying like we took a lot of inspiration from Compose and like we're, we're basically trying to solve this problem of like we've got this amazing production platform, Kubernetes, that's completely disconnected from development. Like the Docker experience completely exists on the laptop. Docker desktop is great. They have Docker, Docker Compose, but it's completely disconnected from the rest. And so if I take that user experience of Docker Compose and we've mimicked that, like we couldn't use the syntax exactly. There's kind of too many warts there, but it's like it takes all the inspiration of like a same experience. And so that's what our Acorn file is. So like from an app developer, app team, they can describe, they have their Acorn file, which describes their application. Yeah. They can use that Acorn file to develop their application in the same style of Docker Compose. But the big difference with Acorn is once they've you know developed it locally on their laptop or whatever, they can then build that into an application, like into a, an actual application image. Yeah. That OCI artifact that they can now build that whole thing and then push it to production. So the exact same thing they're developing is now connected to production. So they can now, you know, push that forward. And then, of course, there's like little things that have to be different about production. You want this setting and dev, you want this setting. But the Acorn file allows the teams to express all of the differences and environments and things like that. But everything from a very high level application perspective, not the low level, you know, Kubernetes resource and, you know, like the very technical details. So it's like more from an application requirements. Yeah, because you were describing before, how does actually that work nowadays? Let's say that a user is trying to do that with Docker and Kubernetes. He or she would need to define a lot of things for that to happen, yeah. a lot of things in Kubernetes, right? Yeah, so it's like if you look at a Docker Composer where it's like, I have this simple app I want to run a Docker Compose. So I'll create a service in there, which is like a container. And, you know, maybe I create two services, you know, something simple. And so that's very simple to understand. Like that same thing, if I want to replicate that in Kubernetes, like all the same functionality, whatnot, you're talking about, you know, just for the one service, I need to create a deployment, which, you know, internally creates like a replica set in pod. But I need to create a deployment. I'll create a service for that. Some config maps, probably some secrets. That gives you kind of like your base. Yeah. But then you need to look at the security. So you have a network policy, some might have some Istio you know, policy in there too, or Cilium, something like that. Then on top of that, like if you want to expose like HTTP, you might have some ingress, you have an ingress. So it's like those couple little lines of like, I just want to run this container turns into all these real technical yeah. details. And so it's like, it's weird that it's so complicated, but there's good reason for all that complexity. But the key thing is, is like the developer or the application owner, they, they only express like one requirement. And from that requirement, you can then derive all the rest of it. And that's kind of like what Acorn is doing. It's like we can take all that high level information and then create all the low level, you know, technical details on top of Kubernetes because it's tailored to the use case that we understand, which is like running containerized applications.
And taking care of that side of the house is the runtime, correct? Mm -hmm. Okay. The way our product is separated is like we have the Acorn runtime, which is fully open source. You can run it on any Kubernetes cluster. All of the beauty of Acorn comes from the runtime. We also have the acorn.io, which is like the managed experience of that. So like in that, that we give you like a fully, you know, kind of serverless, like you can't see the servers, not Lambda functions, but like you get a full experience where you don't see clusters, you don't see servers. We fully manage all the, the infrastructure and everything. So the user can just come in and see Acorn and run applications. And like, so we have that, that's our SaaS experience that we launched just two weeks ago. Yeah. You can go try that out. And then we also sell that basically kind of the enterprise of like, this is the experience you can give to your app teams internally. And so when you look at that thing, so going back to the Acorn runtimes, like what the Acorn runtime is, is, you know, the runtime is actually technically Kubernetes. Kubernetes is a thing that actually makes everything happen. Okay. The Acorn runtime is, is more of like a dynamic translation of like, we take the Acorn file that you've specified, like your yeah. Acorn file, that gets that metadata from the Acorn file gets packaged in the application image and the associated Docker images. It's all linked together, one signable OCI artifact. So the Acorn runtime reads all that metadata and then at runtime renders all the Kubernetes resources. And this is fundamentally different than let's say like Helm, the way like Helm would work. Yeah, exactly, what would be the difference, yeah. So Helm is like basically everything is pretty much determined ahead of, like you run Helm which then basically spits out a bunch of Kubernetes resources and, and it's, it's kind of, it's all static. So it's like if your cluster changes, let's say I have a new version of yep. like Istio or, you know, a new version of Kubernetes or I decided like I don't want to use Cilium, I want to use, you know, Calico or whatever, something like that. You have to change those Helm templates yeah, because it's all bundled in there. So we do everything dynamically at runtime. Like so we're taking the high level metadata and then we perfectly tailor it to the infrastructure. So like depending on how oh, you okay. have your cluster and infrastructure set up, we can do the right thing. And this is all just built off of like Kubernetes architecture and stuff. So the beautiful thing is, because like one of the problems like uh, companies have in general is like something like upgrading Kubernetes is difficult. Yeah. And because when you upgrade Kubernetes, you have to upgrade Kubernetes plus all the components on Kubernetes plus all the applications. And they're all linked together. Because like your Helm chart that is for your app might have an Istio policy in there. Therefore, it has some implicit dependency on Istio. And if Istio changes, what's the impact on the application? So it's like... What we're doing in Acorn is we're making a very strong delineation between kind of the infrastructure side and like the application metadata side. And so by making this strong delineation, we can completely separate out infrastructure that it becomes like we can upgrade it seamlessly. We can manage it. Like if you're on Kubernetes 125 or 128, it doesn't matter to like the Acorn user. And we can seamlessly change it all under the hood because like just adding that little bit of like structure of separating the two layers it gives us all this flexibility because like today that's one of the problems with Kubernetes is that like you're basically mixing kind of like application metadata and whatnot with infrastructure metadata. Yeah. And so it's all mixed together. Yeah. And so like, so it just comes with, you know, problems. So it's like when you try to upgrade the lower level thing, it has this trickling impact. And, and so like that's, you know, some of the complexities people are having. So what's the feedback from the community in the months that it's been in alpha and beta and now in the last two weeks of general availability GA? So, I mean, so we just launched like two weeks ago. The feedback's been great. Like, so the, the thing with Acorn is it's a little difficult in that like we show people Acorn. We're like, this is the vision of Acorn and what we're doing with it or whatever. And they're like, they're like that's great. I want to use it now. 
is it ready for production? So like it took us a while to like get to a point where it's like, because people have immediate needs for this, this solution. Yeah. So it's like, we can't just give them like a beta something where like, like, so the bar is really high in terms of a product we have to deliver. Like normally the way we've always done startups, like we'll work on something for a month or two and then we'll throw it out there yeah. and get some feedback. But like we had to put a lot more effort into building a, co- a complete solid platform. And so like, that's what we have, we've launched right now is we have a pretty solid platform. And so the feedback's been great, but we, it's kind of like, we are just starting though. Cause like normally within, like I was saying, like we would like spend like two to three months to get something out there, to yeah. get feedback going out. So it took us more like a year cause it had to be this real solid platform. But now, like now we're at the point where it's like, okay, we really want to start getting the users getting feedback because there's a lot of cool things that like where we're going with this, this platform. Any immediate requests that you've gone like, mm, yeah, that sounds interesting. I'll explore it or something. Any, any immediate insights from, from the community field so far? You well, reckon? so there's different areas. One of them has been like the interesting thing has been this idea of kind of like, so with Acorn, you can run your containers, but one of the big problems is like, okay, well, how do I get a service? My application needs a database. Like I need RDS. How do I provision that? And we don't want people going back to like falling back to Terraform or whatever, because that gets kind of more into the infrastructure realm of like, it's like, you know, how can the application teams be more like self-service of like, I just want a database. And so we built out a very nice framework where you can basically plug in any service. So like I can launch and I can just in the Acorn file say like, I, you know, I want an RDS database and it can, and it will give you the database. So we created a service. It's kind of like a service brokering. It's a very lightweight version of service brokering. But so from the Acorn file, you can say like, I want this database. But one one of the requests that's come is like people actually want a, it's kind of like a more standardized interface of like, instead of saying I want RDS or I want, you know, this cloud hosted service, they just say they want to be able to say like, I just want MySQL. Yeah. And then at runtime, I'll get like whatever is the best version of it, you know, based on whatever, you know, some other configuration or criteria of. So basically when I run this application in development, I can use the low cost, simple, just run a MySQL container because that's cheaper and faster. Yeah. Whereas like when I move to test or, you know, I want to use like the RDS more mimic production yeah. or whatever, but I still want to use like the serverless version because yeah. it's cheaper. But then when I go to production, I want to use Aurora cluster, right? So that's one of the interesting feedbacks we've gotten is like building up a more of a concrete. It's kind of like a service interface. Yeah. Like, yeah. I see what you mean. Because it's like, I want this service because it, it, it's like at the end of the day, it's like, I want Redis, Mongo, MariahDB, like these common persistent services, but there's a lot of different ways to get those. And there's a lot of ways to, to manage them. And so like, can I have like a common interface and then you know, depending on the environment, you know, I get the Azure version or I get the AWS version or I get the... So that's one of the feedback, like one interesting thing that we're working on right now. How is the roadmap being built in the sense that how is Acorn and yourself balancing the community feedback versus the your own vision? Do you have a very strong opinionated mm-hmm. way? Are you actually casting a the widest net possible right now and capturing everything so that it informs fully your roadmap which is empty of any own vision so it's it's interesting because you're saying like your vision or your opinion is like fundamentally the things that have been like successful with say like rancher or k3s or things like projects that i've done it does actually come down to our opinion like a lot of it was just like our opinion on but our vision is not so much on like the necessarily the problems we're solving or exactly it's like the, the opinion comes in like how we solve the problem that the user is presenting yeah the, the so experience like, right the developer yeah. experience so the like how do we how our roadmap or whatever it's like it's completely user driven and right now we're very much just focused on users not like enterprise big deals sales or whatever it's like we just we really much want like 
the average developer user, not so much like I don't want to go directly to like the enterprise IT right now and sell it to them because they have very specific requirements to, you know, optimize their cost or whatever. And it's like, I want to make sure we build a platform that really caters more towards the application developer. And so our roadmap is completely based off of like putting this in front of them and saying like, hey, look, we think this is better. Try it out. And if I see them struggle or they don't like it or they can't accomplish it, then it's like, okay, then we just completely go off of that. And so that's where we are right now. It's like we had to, we built this online experience. Like you can run it open source. I think it's more difficult for you to get up and running with open source because you have to know Kubernetes. So I do like prefer people to go to the, the SaaS version because you can get into it immediately. But, you know, try it out. And if it doesn't work, that's what I want to hear. I want to hear like from people like if it doesn't work or if they don't think it like if the worst thing that you can tell me, the biggest failure to me is like I tried to use it and it was confusing. Yeah. It's like if it's confusing, then we failed. I want to build a system that's like intuitive and simple and makes sense to that application persona, which I know they fundamentally think different than an infrastructure team. Yeah. Would it run in a kind cluster, which by definition is quite easy to install? Would it defeat the purpose of it running in a proper Kubernetes cluster? No, no, it doesn't at all. So it's very easy. If you want to do the open source route or whatever, you can just download the CLI. You just type Acorn install, it'll install. So we have different guides on dealing with the nuanced and differences between different like kind or Docker desktop or what. So that's the problem of like with the kind of the Kubernetes is like there's no kind of standard base for Kubernetes. And it's to the point that like this was actually one of the successes of K3S is that K3S was like, it wasn't just a Kubernetes distribution, but it also had a lot of like kind of batteries included components of like it gave you an ingress controller and a storage yeah. solution. And, a, and we made sure that all the APIs work. That doesn't exist across the board. So like, for example, like if I use Kind today, I'm pretty sure there's no ingress controller by default. We fundamentally need an ingress controller because you want to expose uh, HTTP. So it's like there's little instructions of it, like run this command to it. So that's kind of the bummer thing about the Kubernetes ecosystem is that like, even though you can't easily run it on your laptop, like no one is the same. Docker Desktop, K3D, Minikube, Kind, they're all slightly different. And then it's like also, like as I was saying before, it's like if I'm an app developer, I really don't care that much about Kubernetes and don't want to specifically learn it. So like that was a big barrier to us of like when we open source, we open source runtime last year. It's like, I want to make this much better for app teams or whatever, but if they have to first install and run it on Kubernetes themselves just to try it out, that doesn't make any sense. It's like, first be an expert in Kubernetes and go through the hell of understanding, like, it's like, oh, why is my DNS not resolving? And it's like, oh, because this stupid, you know, flip that setting. That was one of the key things of like to drive the adoption, why we built like the SaaS of, I just want to give people the, the full experience the ideal experience out of the box but like under the hood it's all kubernetes and, and it's like and it will run anywhere it can go on edge or whatever and, and because it's open source we can also we can just do it and like kind of package the solutions in a, a lot of different ways yeah. i don't want to put you in an awkward spot because i'm guessing that since you mentioned before that you will be the acon will be present at aws reinvent which is happening i think in two weeks time i'll be there too but can you give us a hint of what's going to be announced there? Is it is it possible? No, I mean, just give us. I mean, an AWS crowd is pretty like obvious or whatever. It's like so like so we're doing a little bit. We'll be doing some Lambda integration to show that because Lambda is a big. I'm like I'm not actually 100% sold on, on Lambda as a, yeah. But we've did a really cool. We've done a really cool integration with Lambda to try to make that development experience better because okay. one of the big problems of of Lambda in AWS is the development experience. Yeah. It's very hard. But it's really cool from a runtime perspective. So we've done some like interesting things there. But then also like for the AWS crowd, it's really just like showing, look, we can run this on EKS clusters. You know, so it's like we have native EKS support. And so like with our, our product offering, we will fully manage all the EKS clusters for you. And like, so it's like the Kubernetes layer becomes like 
just completely turnkey. Because like the beautiful thing is like once you standardize on Acorn, it's like the infrastructure layer becomes very predictable, extremely predictable. So it's like the clusters we run, they're fully auto-scaling, like the user, we have an abstraction that allows the users to kind of say what different class of infrastructure they want. So if you want like compute optimized or memory optimized or GPU, okay. we have an abstraction in Acorn to allow the users to, you know, so, and then we just auto-scale all the node groups and stuff like that. And so it's like, we basically make the EKS stuff we make it very easy, and there's nothing easy about EKS. So it's like, it's a great product, but there's nothing easy about EKS. <laughs> I'll let you know that the Docker is coming back, hopefully, to CNCF soon to have a booth. Oh, wow. That'll be exciting. So, yeah, because uh, this Acorn certainly sounds like it's, you guys are taking the step forward in the experience that Docker laid out years ago and feels like very, very interesting. I, I wish you the best as a company and yeah hope to see you soon and i would like to thank you for being on the show twice in less than an hour yeah. and hopefully you can forgive me for that but yeah acorn seems like a very very interesting product if anyone wants to reach out to you by the way where can they find you well me personally i'm on twitter that's pretty much so i build the cloud on twitter that's where you can find me and then company wise acorn.io that's the best you know and then we're, we're off, all of our stuff's on. You know, the GitHub. demo's right there, right? Yeah, so if you go into acorn.io, you just need a GitHub. It's free. Like, you can go in. I mean, the product, it's we give away, like, we have a sandbox environment where you can just try out Acorn. You can run anything you want. It'll be there for, like, two hours, then we delete it. So you can, you know, there's no credit card sign up. You can try it out. And that's a Kubernetes cluster with the runtime installer. Yeah, right? yeah. So you don't need to know absolutely anything about Kubernetes. You can just basically just start. And then we have this really cool feature in the app that's called Playground, which have you ever seen, like, a Golang Playground? Yeah. Or like an, so we have a thing like that where it's, like, online. You can actually create, put in an Acorn file. And it will build the application and publish. So you can kind of fool around with the Acorn file and it automatically builds it and, then oh, like, okay. and build, runs the application. So you can just fool around with that and then you get a URL and you can click. And so it's kind of fun to fool around with and just get, you know, get an idea of what's capable with the system. Well, I encourage everyone that's listening to this to either reach out to Darren if needed or mostly to play around in the playground with Acorn because it seems like a very, very nifty idea that I would argue sits upon not only a ton of experience from the founders, like Darren just described, but also like solid ideas of solid descriptions of the gaps that right now developers are experiencing. Because I would argue so too that many, many are complaining about the complexities of Kubernetes. And I think there's a huge, huge opportunity there. So yeah, again, I wish you the best and thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. It was fun. 